This Much We Know is a podcast offering an honest and informative perspective of the realities and motivations of setting up a social enterprise. We'll be joined by guest social entrepreneurs and charity leaders whose trading models work to end homelessness. We'll be sharing their stories, tips, and of course, their facepalm moments. Hi, Murphy. Hi, Simon. Good morning. How are you doing? Not too bad. Here we go again. Here we go again. Um, what's going on? What's going on in the uh, in Devonshire? In in Dev, I've actually had a very Devonshire morning. We've got a a new neighbourly cat has been trying to attack our bird box. <laughs> Not the most exciting news, but um, it is it is news about town. <laughs> Love it. Very good. Misbehaving cats. We like that. How's um, life in Cambridge? Uh, we're all right. Yeah, yeah. Nothing exciting happening here, as per usual. And uh, I'm trying to th- nothing involving cats anyway. This is why we need to have guests on, isn't it? Else we end up with incredibly <laughs> yeah. dull conversation. <laughs> you've been yeah. booked, you've booked me as the entertainment, have you? Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, who is this, Murphy? That's just come into our recording. <laughs> We've got Claire today from Emmaus Suffolk. Um, Claire, we we tend to ask our guests to do the introductions as um as you can do it better than, than we can. So could you introduce yourself and a bit about the organisation? Thank you very much, Murphy. So hello, I'm Claire Stadden. I'm the Chief Executive of Emmaus Suffolk. Emmaus Suffolk has been an independent local charity based in Ipswich for five years. We work with uh, vulnerably housed and generally vulnerable people working with them in within meaningful activities within our social enterprises to add value to their day. Fantastic. And what does that look like? What, what, what does meaningful activity look like day to day? What sort of stuff? So if I pitched up at Emmaus Suffolk, what would we be doing today? Well, a smorgasbord of um, activities because, you know, everybody wants to do something different and everybody likes doing different things. So we... Well, we started in 2016 with our first retail site, Charity Retail, has a very complicated um, ecosystem of donations, sorting, um, all the way through to stock rotation, um, pricing, visual merchandising, prep, um, putting things in the bin, sadly, because um, people still donate things to us that just are broken or not fit for purpose. Um, all the way through to front of house service. So um, that's how we started, but we have now expanded to upcycling, gardening, driving the van, um, cafe experience and um, marketing, you name it. If it's somebody wants to have a go, then we get the, get the skills up to help them to um, progress themselves. So, and some of our listeners might be familiar with the sort of Emmaus model and the Emmaus movement um, across the, is, is it global? It is, isn't it? Yeah, there's over 300 in the world, yes. So it's quite quite a thing. Now, Emmaus Suffolk is different. Is that right? I mean, they're all different, but your model is different to that that other people might be familiar with. Is that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, I have to say that uh, Emmaus Federation is a bunch of cats and um, I'm glad I'm not the one trying to herd us. Um, so across the world, everybody looks at what's locally needed and finds an offer that helps to add value in that locality. 
In the UK, generally, that has been historically a um, focusing around mass accommodation housing, offering people somewhere to live and um, work related within their um, within the building and the premises that they have. Um, we do have um, an evolution of that model. We work with people locally housed in Ipswich, um, but many people are vulnerably housed. People are living in hostels, on in temporary accommodation, in short-term tenancies, all the way through to people that live around the corner in their house but haven't seen anybody for three months, and that was even pre-COVID. So we work with anybody that just wants to feel valuable, make a difference, and have a bit of fun. Fantastic. Love it. Um, I, well, you know, like we've probably briefed you on this or maybe we haven't. We don't brief our guests particularly well for this. So um, so that's Emmaus Suffolk and that's you, you know, where you fit in the Emmaus movement side of things. And are we allowed to talk about you, Claire? Can we can we go sort of, you know, what's your background? Are you, you know, have you been in the charity sector all your life? Yeah, it'd be lovely to know a little bit of the backstory that brought you into the sort of Emmaus well. Um, no, I'm I'm um, I'm a actually I'm a trained ceramicist. I went to Glasgow School of Art. I've um, run businesses and tried to make a living at being an artist um, for probably the first twenty five years of my life. I then needed to get a mortgage and decided to get a real job. So I went into the corporate world and um, flew around Europe working with a. Texas company, working with people around cultural change, getting people to do their jobs better by asking them how to. I know it's revolutionary, isn't it? <laughs> um, and then um, I stopped to have children and then I started in the third sector because let's face it, um, part-time working is sort of a, a, um, a fundamental in um, the third sector so it was an easy thing to um, go back to work and still be um, the main carer so I have been in the third sector for the last 18 years and um, I went I was working in charities whilst they started to talk about commissioning while we started to see this sort of big step change from core funding from um, local authorities all the way through to, you know, you've got the bid competitively with commercial companies to deliver service. And um, so the reason I came to Emmaus Suffolk was that I really liked the model of having your own social enterprises where you engaged people within the social enterprise. So I've got one foot firmly in charity and one foot firmly in social enterprise and I fundamentally believe that they're symbiotic and fundamental to each other amazing it's really um interesting to hear about your sort of early corporate days i didn't know that about you for for listeners i've met claire a couple of times through our enterprise program and otherwise um and so yeah that's really interesting what the comparisons between your experience of working in, in corporates and those that you've met working in the charge sector are there any key differences <laughs> um, the fundamental one is culture. Um, in corporate world, I was able to point my finger and say, can you do that? Um, because that's your job. And that was brilliant because that's what they did. Um, and then when I first moved to the third sector, I was like, can you do that? And they go, well, you have to ask me nicely and I have to want to. 
Um, and it was a big sort of headspace change of, I have to ask people to do their jobs. Don't really understand. And um, yeah, the speed and pace of things is very different. The benefit is that the in a corporate world, there are procedures, processes. This is the way that we do it because somebody else has usually decided that. I really love working in the third sector and in an entrepreneurial way because you work with people to solve the problems and therefore what you get is the is the best answer possible at the time but then in six months time you might need to change it because things have changed people have changed and actually you don't need to ask permission you can just change it to work with the people that need it and it's quite liberating so I would highly recommend working in the third sector, but you don't, don't do it for the money, do you? <laughs> Fantastic. Brilliant. Thanks, Claire. It's really interesting. I'm personally really in this podcast to understand the, the guests and where they come from background, because it isn't just where we're at now. It's what built you into this individual and what built you into social enterprise. So I think for the purposes of this podcast, though, I didn't know about the ceramics bit either. So that was new. It's very good. And um but I think let's focus like in on, on the Emmaus Suffolk journey, if we can, and, and your role mm. as, as the sort of the, the leader of that and, and how that's unfolded, uh, because you haven't really touched on that yet. And I know you've you've built it from scratch, haven't you? Like Emmaus Suffolk didn't exist prior to your sort of coming on board and, and leading it forward. Is that right? Yeah, well, I was invited to become a board member um, in 2015 um, by a friend of mine who's sadly passed away since. And um, he invited me to come and I, I went to a very nice middle-class evening with a very nice, nice glass of Chardonnay and we talked about what we might talk about at the next meeting. And I um, politely declined joining the board because um, you know they were just really lovely people who wanted to do something, but nobody had the time, energy or capacity to actually do anything around delivery. And, um, They'd managed to raise £10,000, but they just kind of kept vacillating around not knowing what to, how to do anything about it. So I just suggested that they either employed somebody, not expecting it to be me, or that they gave it back to the Federation lead in the UK so that somebody else could do something really useful and purposeful with it. And much to my surprise, they invited me to do it. So I started at a day rate. Um, and basically, I, uh, the first three months, well, probably the first six months, I went out and actually found out what the need was because it's all very well having a brilliant idea about what is needed, but you need to talk to other service providers. You need to talk to potential service users about what do you want to engage in. I, um, I don't have an idea about what would make you happy and make you feel valuable and valued. So, and also there's nothing worse than what I really hated in the third sector um, previously to that was the, the mass duplication of people because they're trying to go for funding pots. You're constantly trying to fit around the needs of the funder, but that's not necessarily A, what's needed and B, there's already somebody already doing that. So why are you trying to compete with them for the same money when actually, you know, that's not, you don't need two people doing the same thing. So I did an awful lot of research about knowing, understanding what the ethos of Emmaus was around meaningful 
tea and, and about solidarity, which is about giving back, about you making a difference to others rather than just worrying about making a difference to yourself, which is sort of the core tenants. And talk to other service providers and everybody said that what they were missing was meaningful activity, things for people to do differently in their day rather than doing what they were doing before. So if you're becoming a um, managing your addiction, your community is still not managing theirs. So you are rudderless. You don't have any place or purpose to fit. Um, if you've been homeless, there's a fabulous, um, chaotic, but fabulous community that everybody knows you, everybody's aware of you, everybody looks out for you to a degree. And if you start then moving into housing, then you're actually walking away from the community that you've built and you don't have anything that keeps you wanting and focused around being a housed person. You don't know how to integrate that experience into the next stage of your life. So we really focused around working on what is going to help people manage themselves in the best way that they can within the new community experience that they wanted and build a community where people wanted to come and be to enable them to be the best that they could be without having to slide backwards into previous difficult and chaotic behaviours. Awesome, thank you. I think what I really like hearing from you, Claire, is you've got such generosity of perspective you know, it's so clear that you've thought about how everyone comes into the decisions that you're making and what kind of conversations need to happen. Um, particularly, I think it, it is fairly unusual. A lot of people coming from the commercial sector or corporate sector coming in, you know, from an outside view, you can go, oh, I can see what needs to happen. And then, you've, you know, you've got all these ideas already. You want to go forward with them. You want to drive change. And those sort of conversations forget to happen. Um yeah the social yeah the social mindedness gets left behind often mm. that's yeah that's quite a, a common thing where somebody commercially goes yeah you need to do x y and z that's fine commercially but we're dealing with people and how do we yes. get how do we how do we get people to move forward it's not just about making yeah. you know well, if you put the money before the people then you never it's never going to work and it can be a good business model and that's where you have to really think about whether it's a social enterprise or whether it's a business don't you because if the people aren't in the centre of it, then it's a business that might help some people. While if it's a social enterprise, it's the people that are helped whilst generating income. Yeah. Is that pivotal for you, Claire, that it has to be sort of impact employer model, if you like, you know, that uh, service users, members, companions are involved from the get-go, rather yeah. than it being a business that reinvests its profit? Yeah. yeah, for me it is, and that's the model for Emmaus, and I'm not mm. saying that there are the, aren't other ways of doing it, but very much for our model, it's the people are the central tenant, absolutely, and it's to their benefit, and the direction of travel for the businesses are about listening and noticing what our people need and what potentially more, more people might need to bring them in to benefit. Yeah, I think it's really important. We haven't, we're, Murphy and I were already talking back and forth about how do we bring lived experience into this podcast um and then actually i've been listening back on previous episodes and just in the in the current sort of interviews people are bringing that already it's all it's within the interviews that people are bringing that forward um am i allowed to what from doing that and being service user led or people led rather than any of the other agendas what have been the biggest challenges what have you learned that you could share with us if facing, that's all right to ask 
Well, pace, pacing is, is, you know, you can, you know, um, people have an expectation of themselves. Um, so there's two things that um, are the most, the biggest challenges. One is that people don't think they can, and therefore, um, and then, and there's also people that think they can, and then they have a massive wobble. So what we find is that people get to a certain level of success, and then they start to self-fail. Because actually, the people we work with are incredible survivors. They're, um, they're, you know, most people that we work with have incredible backstories that I don't know how they're even smiling, let alone alive. Um, and that that they are, they know how to manage failure and catastrophic behaviors really, really well. Um, but they don't know how to manage success, and success actually becomes such a frightening thing that they start to self fail. And so we're doing an awful lot more therapeutic intervention around enabling people to have the skills and the faith in themselves that they can be successful. But this is not uh, six months and you tick the box and off you go. This is five years down the line of working with some of the same people. And now we're starting to see blossoming. Now we're seeing people who have embedded change behaviours that means that actually they are able to be successful as, as along with lots of people that bounce work with us and then move on and those that will never move on that will never have enough capacity within themselves to be totally self-driven and all of those three cohorts are part of the benefit of the organization you know we don't want there's no there's no time frame one of the things i most like about Emmaus as a model is there's no time frame for your participation within the organization. So for some people, we are the only family that they have and potentially might ever have. So part of my role is to make sure that Emmaus Suffolk isn't a five-year offer, isn't a 10-year offer, but actually it's a 50-year offer. It needs to be around for as long as people need it. But that might not, they may not need it in the same way from the first day that they come to us to the last day that they leave us. And we have to therefore evolve what we're doing and how we're working with people to match the needs of all the different cohorts of people that we have. And pacing is the biggest problem because I'm a fast and furious person. I have an idea and I deliver it within the next day. And that's what I do because I'm an entrepreneur. But to bring everybody with me, I take three steps forward and 10 steps back probably every day because I have to make sure that I don't leave people behind. And that takes a lot more time and energy than you think it does. Mm. And I suppose you've, you've touched on a few points there around um, sort of understanding differences and reflecting on the model, you know, doing things differently that other organisations have done. For example, you know, being there in the long term, not about this sort of short-term fixes. Are there any... Um, particular conversations that you've had about your journey networks that you've tapped into that have helped form these ideas can you think of a kind of pivotal connection that's that's made that uh, reflective practice accessible to you um i think it's it's partly everything that you do isn't it in your life um that you bring to the table um, and, you know, the joy of getting older is that <laughs> I've got a lot of experiences, both brilliant and dreadful, um, and that actually you use all those experiences to help you formulate what you're trying to do. Um, 
I also, I, I did do some therapeutic training around um, neuro-linguistic programming um, to understand how I worked. And therefore I do, I think help, that helps me understand A, my impact on others and B, how, what the things are that other people struggle with that I don't understand because ultimately everybody's right in their own world and in their own head. And so you pointing a finger and telling everybody that they're wrong isn't isn't going to change their opinion. What you have to do is stand next to them and work with them to understand what they want and how they want to progress forward. I could fix the world if I was in charge, let's face it. But the world will be fixed the way I wanted it to be fixed. And that might not be the way you want it to be fixed, Murphy, or the way that you thought it might be fixed, Simon. So, you know, you have to remember that you're an incredibly arrogant person that thinks that they know everything <laughs> and that you, you need to remember that, that you are right for you. You are right for you, but you're not right for anybody else. And you have to, you have to, you know, shut yourself up and listen and sit with other people to understand what they want. So it's not your goals that's important for other people. It's their goals. Love that. It's really great. Great answer. This is this is normally Murphy's favourite question, Claire, but I'm nicking it off a today um it's it's been it's been coming but is there a favorite favorite facepalm moment for you so that moment where you realize this is a what was i thinking this is a complete write-off let's just move on from this let's bury it let's not mention it um but yeah have you got one of those i've got loads but have you got one of those in the emmaus suffolk journey that stands Um, out i guess um Yes, I guess um, one of my arrogances was um, having had a high-end arts background. Um, I'm really passionate about the arts. I'm really passionate about everybody being able to engage in it and it not being a frightening and, you know, um, aristocratic offer. It's something that actually everybody does. Everybody has artistic behaviours, intents and thoughts in their heads. so we managed to get some funding to do some craft videos for online while people were in lockdown. Um, and we've got a brilliant lady, Chrissy, who does the crafts. And she was trying to explain to me what she was doing. And she was doing this thing with pegs and a tuna tin because I'd asked her to do things around the house. Now, I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't understand. So it's more about my own humility than, than a thing for the MS Suffolk's behaviour was that I couldn't understand what she was trying to do. And, and then I realized that I, I was up here with my expectation of what arts and crafts was. And she'd absolutely pitched it right. And she'd absolutely got it brilliantly. She was making a, a pot holder out of, cup, out of pegs and a, and a tin. And, and, it, and it flew and people loved it. And I was just like, I don't understand what you're doing. Oh, because I'm not in the same place in any way <laughs> to, most people's experience of what art looks like and it, it was it was a yeah a bit, a bit of a, well more of a physical slap around the face really of you need to stop being thinking that you know what what you what is needed um and the but the other business one I've had was that I I made the biggest slap was that I made a I thought that uh, my finances were right were fine and my bookkeeper thought I understood what wasn't right and we weren't explaining to each other that what was going on so I had a catastrophically awful 
financial year in 2019 because of, of assumptions. And um, yeah, so the big, that was the worst moment we've ever had as an organization was, and you can't assume things at any point in any direction. You have to ask lots of questions and you have to keep poking until you know you know what's going on. You can't assume that somebody else got your back. Yeah, some good lessons. Great lessons answer. There. I think the yeah, constantly questioning and yeah, are we are we where we think we are is a probably quite a good sort of <laughs> learned behaviour, isn't it? I think around yeah, actually I'm not gonna just not look at that because actually yeah. I need to have my eyes on that. I need to be aware of where we're at. Yeah. Um, and and it's yeah, I think that's something that you probably only learn from a facepalm moment like that, where you're like, really should have been on top of that, or I really should have thought that one through. Um, no, brilliant, great answer, so honest as well. Um, yeah, it's really good. Although it's not um, Alistair from Recycling Lives, he ripped he ripped the gate off a prison. So <laughs> you know, it was, they were good, but yeah, three times, three, three times. times apparently. <laughs> Wow, so, that's 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 um, sounds quite deliberate. <laughs> no, no, all accidental. He assured us. <laughs> that was great. No, really good. Love that question. You can have it back, Murphy, for yeah. the next episode. Thank you. Appreciate that. I've 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 noted it that you stole that one. <laughs> um, Claire, I've got another question for you, and it's it's more around the wider sector. So, with with the Emmaus model, and then sort of your take on the Emmaus model, um, very much, you know offering opportunities and making sure that if people are looking for meaningful activity you're responding sort of to that need rather than presenting you know one option are there any other models that you can see across the social enterprise homelessness sector that you think are doing things right or in an interesting way i think that i really like the sort of small and dynamic organizations um i was really lucky to come on the homeless link um social entrepreneurs course and and my god there were some brilliant ideas um really kind of damn it I wish I'd thought of that kind of ones you know (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah I mean there's some there's some amazing not I think it's I think the good thing is that the public appetite for ethical um entrepreneurial businesses that have more to their bottom line than the bottom line mm. is is really growing and I think you know actually COVID only added to that need and desire for customers that want to know a little bit more about what your ethics are so you know I think that it's it's you know I'm we're working um we made an we made a promise that we would only work with local businesses um, regardless of whether there was a difference in price, because it's part of us embedding ourselves in the community, and and there's so many, aren't there? Amazing little tiny organisations and businesses that are trying to be local and trying to have a community presence. That I just think it's something that we all need to work better at, working together and collaborating and supporting each other. Yeah, I totally agree. I think more than ever as well, we're finding out. Sort of local businesses that we didn't know had as much social impact as they do you know the sort of unsung heroes mm. um but hopefully you know like podcasts like this will be able to shed some light on on what's going on and what kind of models are, are out there yeah i think it's about also recognizing that you can ask those questions of a business 
as well um and that's not an unacceptable or inappropriate thing to do these days and um you know we can't fight the big beasts but um because their marketing and their pr kind of hides their true behaviors but um and but you can't you mustn't get disenfranchised about that you just need to work with people that you do trust and that you do believe in and that do that also believes in you and what you're trying to do and therefore you can be confident that everything that you're talking about is what other people are talking about too and that's that that gives you stability and sort of presence in a way that PR and marketing will never give you love that brilliant the um well, I think we've got two more questions for you, Claire, before we let you crack on with the day job. Um, one is, well, Murphy will probably ask the, the last one, actually, but what's the what's the future look like for Amaya Suffolk? What, what's coming up? What's what's the plan for the sort of next five years? Have you got one? Um, yeah. What oh, are you apart from look taking like? over the world, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we've got quite a lot in the pipeline, actually. We've got a whole... We, we offer... The social enterprises um, were always hubs, community hubs as well, and we've, we're going to sort of in, def, re, re, um, invigorate and define that model more and more so that we're about to open our third premises in Ipswich, we've got, um, which is a hub, so that we can have a, and have a community cafe and um, more housing. And what, what that will do for the east of Suffolk is actually enable us from a social enterprise perspective to have and generate enough income so that we can become self-reliant, i.e. we don't need to keep asking um, grant funders for um, cash to manage our services. Their services become self-sustaining. And that means that we can then look at moving to the west of Suffolk and kind of replicating the whole model um, in the west of the county so that we can become truly Suffolk wide. So at the moment, we're very much east of Suffolk. But um, we, we know that particularly through COVID that more and more people have got mental health issues, more and more people have vulnerabilities around the housing, around the way, way that they manage their day. Um, and that we know that the need for a place to come and a place to feel safe and a place to have a bit of a crack and to actually make a difference to others is what's needed. So we're very confident that what we offer makes a difference. And we're also very confident that more people than ever before need our help. That is so exciting. I really want to have one of those radio sort of clapping buttons. We can get some, some crowd cheering in. <laughs> and but when, when we open our, when we're going to celebrate when we open our new site, Murphy. I'll, I'll send you an invite. You can come and yeah, come please and do. Have a, a ridiculous something. We haven't quite. We're going to do something crazy for the celebration because it's going to be five years of service provision plus you know this crazy new world. That's so we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. invite you down. You can come. You can escape from the from the from the door. Is it Cornwall you're in or I'm in Devon. Devon. Um, I try not to take offence. <laughs> the Sorry. place where you do the no. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about to start. Is that cream on jam or jam on cream? I can't <laughs> no, remember. No, I, I, I went to Falmouth and I lived in Silverton in Devon as well. So um, I've done both. It's all right. I all have right, your, your passions and permission. <laughs> we'll continue to air the episode then. You're all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's brilliant news, Claire. It's so exciting to to sort of hear, hear that happening and I know one of the early conversations you and I had was around that you know once um your companions are put in 
you know, single occupancy housing or had that sustainable accommodation, they then lost their, you know, that community. You touched on it earlier today as well. And so this community cafe sounds like it will really, you know, benefit in more ways than one, which is which is great. Hopefully, yeah. And it'll be, and we're going to make it a place to celebrate. Um, Ipswich is very unusual in Suffolk. It's got quite a lot of ethnic diversity. So we're going to work with some of the local groups to um, celebrate some of the local dishes that they might have brought to the UK with them. So it's going to be a great place to um, experience lots of different options along with your, you know, ubiquitous bacon and eggs. Fab. Sounds Sounds good. Put me down for that. The, um, and then the last question from me, who else are you keeping an eye on, Claire, in the social enterprise space? Is there somebody you want to do a shout out to or you're discreetly keeping an eye on what they're doing because it's interesting? Well, that's a good question. I'm, I'm very interested in other people's housing models. Um, it's a challenging sector and it's, it's, again, it's only growing as a need, isn't it? Um, so... You know, the, the Serenians are really interesting. Um, there's an awful lot of very good quality housing that has a different focus. And we're, we're already looking at how we might explore a much more therapeutic housing model. Um, so, and I don't know what that means. I genuinely am just sort of messing about with, with options to see what where we can make the most difference for the people that need us and um I'm, like i said i'm trying to sit next to them on the floor rather than assuming i know what you need so um lots of research is going on at the moment with talking to people about what what do, what do they see success looking like rather than what i think success looks like for them exciting watch watch this space then Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard work because you're you, you genuinely don't know. But I quite like not knowing. I know that sounds weird, but um, you always learn something new, don't you, when you don't know? Yeah, <laughs> you'd hope. Fantastic, uh, Claire. It's been really good to have you on this morning. Um, yeah, it's just lovely chatting to you as always. And um, yeah, we wish you all the best with everything coming up over the next five years. Sounds like you're going to be pretty busy again. And um, yeah, it's just great to have you on. And thank you for being so honest as well and sharing your your experiences and what you've learned. It's been yeah, really good to have you on. You're welcome. Thank yeah, you. It's very, very, very flattering to be asked. So, you know, I, I like a little bit of ego stroking. At any time you need to do that, I'll be very delighted oh. to receive it. Now, she, now, she, now she's after the Best Guest Award, Murphy. <laughs> Um, final final question for me. Is there any advice that you'd give someone looking to start a social purpose business or a social enterprise? Um, don't do it for the money. Wise. <laughs> um, and remember that the that you're juggling with people's lives. So tread carefully great thank you pretty good yeah it's very good definitely don't do it for the money but i think the second one is also (laughs) important because we are quite good at that aren't we we do design we do like to design a nice neat program and a nice a nice project you know and and yeah we're all a bit guilty of that at times so it's yeah that is really valuable advice i think actually to remember who we're Mm. 
what we're here to do and what people need rather than what we think is a nice idea and yeah good good answer again Claire she's done well hasn't she Murphy <laughs> yeah you've been you've been absolutely great is there um can we have your sort of Twitter social media handles for any listeners to follow up and see see what's going on with the Mayor Suffolk yes well our website's uh um Mayor Suffolk is our Twitter Mayor Suffolk is our Facebook um and our LinkedIn so we're pretty easy to find great it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Claire, and I um, look forward to my invite to the celebration. I will make sure that you're on the guest list, Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, she can invite herself to anything, she will. <laughs> you better get the scones right, Claire, or she's not coming. <laughs> I, will let her, I will let her furnish it the way she wishes, rather than tell her how to. <laughs> Love it. Fantastic. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. Please subscribe for more episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at thismuch underscore we know or email us thismuchweknow at homelesslink.org.uk.